So if you would, just, uh, just close your eyes just for a second, if you don't mind. You don't have to, of course, but if you would, just close your eyes. I'm going to say a few words, and as I say these words, I just want you to take note of what happens internally for you as I say these words. Number one is this word. It's the word love. As I say love, what, what, are, the, what are the thoughts, the feelings, the images that come to your mind? The second word I want to say is the word joy. I'll add a word to it. Christmas joy. What comes to your mind? What comes to your heart as you contemplate the joy that Christmas brings? The third word is the word hope. What feelings, what images, what what thoughts do you have as I say the word hope? And then last of all, you can just look at me for this one. You can open your eyes again. Having you close your eyes in church, very dangerous, Uh, but I'm happy to have you open your eyes again. And, And here's the last word. The word is peace. When you hear peace, exactly what do you think of? What comes to your mind when you hear the the idea of joy and love and hope and peace? And if you didn't know, those are the themes that we study every year at Christmas. We actually have some candles here. And the candles represent those themes. We we studied last week, we talked about this theme of hope. And and today we're talking about this, this Christmas theme of peace specifically. And as I say peace, I I know you may have many different things come to mind when I say peace because there are three, at least three, very different definitions of the word peace. For example, the, the first of those definitions is peace, the absence of conflict or war. And so if I said to you, and I am saying to you, pray for peace in Israel and the Middle East, then I'm talking about the absence of conflict or war. If I say to you, pray for peace in Ukraine, we're, we're asking God to assist to bring an end to conflict, armed conflict in those places. So, so one definition of peace is the absence of conflict or war. And the second definition of peace, very simply, is peace. Peace means there's harmony in relationships. It means that, that you're a human being in a relationship with another human being, but between you, there's peace and harmony and everything is good. And let me show you a picture of someone I am deeply at peace with. This is actually, this is my wife right there. There she is. That's Tracy. Give her a little hand. Come on. I know you want to. There's my wife right there. And, and good news, we are at peace uh, between the two of us. Now, I, I, big, big, big week for us. My wife and I actually, uh, December 7th is the was the 27th anniversary of when I first asked her on a date. I asked her for a date 27 years ago. Actually, it was, it was exactly in this spot right here at the bottom of the stairs. I was walking this way. She was walking that way. Bam, we met right there. And I asked her out on a date and she said this exact thing to me. She said this. She said, okay, my number's in the church directory. That's how my wife responded when I asked her on a date. I was like, oh, Rejection right away from the start, but it's been great. We're at peace in that relationship. Uh, Right now, uh, my wife and I married 26 years, happily three amazing daughters. And last of all, peace, that's one of my daughters cheering right there when I said that. Uh, And last of all, peace is defined as not just the absence of conflict or harmony in relationships. You, You may have already thought of this, peace, an inward state of tranquility. Let me say it again, tranquility, calm and quiet. Now, I know you know that kind of peace, that, that inner state of peace. And, and really, these themes are talking about, about hope and, and peace and, and joy and love. We're really talking about that these are available for us because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth. 
Now, Jesus actually, Jesus, when you think about Jesus, you should think about peace because Jesus is, why don't you guys say it for me? I'll say, I'll begin it, you end it. Jesus is the prince of It's a prince of peace. Ephesians actually says in Ephesians chapter three, it says Jesus, he himself is our peace. And not only does it say that, we we, we remember the words of Jesus. Now listen, these are words to every person who would ever or will, will ever follow Jesus Christ. He says this, with power and authority, Jesus says to us, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. How many of you here today, raise your hand, you would say, confidently say, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. Just raise your hand, right? So that's you. You're raising your hand right now. You are saying this. You possess, I possess the peace of Christ lives in me. He gave it to us. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. And then he qualifies it. He talks about the kind of peace. He says it like this. Not, I don't give to you as the world gives. The world is full of false promises. The world promises happiness or joy or peace. The world promises all manner of things, but Jesus's promises are real, are solid, a solid foundation. I don't give to you as the world gives. And then he says this, listen carefully. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Do you guys know what the, the number one command in the Bible, this is actually very interesting. It ends here, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. That, that means that, that God does not want you, you personally, to dwell in any of these emotions. And number one is fear. God doesn't want you dwelling in fear. Now I just asked a question. Do you know the number one, the most often commanded thing in the Bible? You might think it is love your pastor as you love yourself. No, it's not, surprisingly. It's not, it's not about financially supporting your church, although that is in there. The number one command in the Bible is, listen, do not fear. Do not fear. God does not want you to live, to dwell in fear. Also, he doesn't want you to, to dwell in anxiety. Now, we all, we all have it. We all have moments of anxiety, a splash of anxiety. But the Bible's clear. Philippians chapter 4, it's, it's really God's desire is that you would not be consumed by anxiety. How about frustration? Ephesians 5.1 talks about frustration and, and not to dwell in that frustration, or, or how about this one? Uh, worry, Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about your life and what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you're going to wear. Don't be consumed by worry. God doesn't want any of these things to dominate your life. Fear, anxiety, frustration, worry, and certainly not, certainly not anger. James chapter one says, anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for you. But just stop right now. If you're watching online or you're sitting here in church, examine this list right here. How often, how often are you personally, just be honest with yourself. Don't tell anybody else, but be honest with yourself. How often are you overcome by, by fear? How often is anxiety your companion, your, your annoying companion who goes with you wherever you go? Frustration. Is it simmering right now under the surface of frustration, worry, anger? Hey, what about, what about a new one? What about, what about shame? The Bible talks a lot about you not being ashamed. To know you are a child of God, a person of dignity, that God has chosen you. Now, a close companion of, of shame is, is, uh, is embarrassment. 
I actually witnessed a moment of embarrassment uh, on Friday this week. This actually involves my youngest daughter. Here's a picture of her right there. She's in the front row right there, but that's her uh, on the screen there. And, and, and my daughter was actually had a moment of embarrassment. And, and this is what happened. Uh, she didn't know this. She was upstairs, but, but a serviceman came to my house from Spectrum to, to work on an internet connection. And he was working. His name was Jason, by the way. Jason was lovely. We established a quick relationship, really kind of enjoyed Jason. And, and Jason was in the front room of my house and he was working on some wires and my daughter came down the stairs. She came, she, she was just really excited. I heard her feet on the stairs and, and I know Ella's feet. These were excited feet. And actually Ella, something had happened to her that is really, really profound. She was caught up in the moment of unimaginable bliss when you buy something online and it fits perfectly. And she said, she said, she said, dad, dad, look. And she came down and she spun around uh, showing me this item of clothing that she'd bought that did honestly look perfect. You look fantastic, baby. Uh, And it was a great moment. And so seeing her just excited and wearing this new thing, I said out loud, I said, Jason, meet my daughter, Ella. And and he looked over and she was embarrassed. (laughs) She had no idea. Any of us in the house except the two of us. She, She had that moment. But you know what? Even embarrassment is not something that God wants you to dwell in, to live in, to have as part of your life. Look at this list again. Fear, anxiety, frustration, worry, anger. These are not the things that God wants for you. God wants better. Now, the the sermon I'm preaching today is, is about peace. And actually, I I found a scripture really speaks to me. The scripture was originally written by by King David in the Old Testament. He wrote this, we believe he wrote this in the year 1062 BC. That's 3,084 years ago. Jesus, sorry, David wrote this talking about peace. And here's what he says. It's It's a simple command to God's people. He says this, seek peace and pursue it. He's actually talking about people who are following God and he gives them a command, seek peace and pursue it. And then about 1125 years later, uh, Peter in first Peter says it again, again, instructing God's people how they should live. Peter says it again, seek peace and pursue it. This means a couple things to us. The first phrase, I'll say seek, you say peace. Here we go. Seek, that first part, seek peace. It probably means, it probably means value it. See the value of living in peace in your life. And don't, don't elevate frustration or worry or conflict. Don't, don't elevate those things. Elevate your understanding of what it means to live with the peace of God or live in harmonious relationships with others. You may have to forgive someone to be at peace with them in this life. Seek peace, but don't just see the value of it. Pursue it. Go after it. It might be that he's saying this simply, value peace and pursue how to handle it. Now, the question is for you, will you, will you today do these things? Will you value peace and seek it? And I'm just going to say a simple thing to you. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to take this in, a, in, a, in the wrong way, but if you say to yourself, you know what? Peace would be nice. We all love peace. We all want peace, but you might say to yourself, well, you know what? For me, peace really isn't available. You might actually be willing to accept God's second best for you instead of God's best. God's best is that you would live as his child pursuing a life of peace. But you might say, no, I, I, I can't do that. I, I can't live that way. I can't, I can't seek that. I can't, I can't go in that direction. So let me today convince you to seek peace and pursue it. So let's talk about how you might do that. 
Well, first, I already mentioned to you that there, one definition of peace is harmony in relationships. I already showed you a picture of my wife and told you about when I asked her out the first time. But let me mention someone else that I am currently and always in a peaceful, harmonious relationship with. And, and that is one of our staff members. His name is Pastor Trey. Give Trey a little hand, if you don't mind. And, uh, Trey, Trey, Trey's awesome. We love Trey. Trey leads our Celebrate Recovery ministry. And we are beginning, January 14th, we are beginning a brand new service of our church on the east end of Newark, right across in the Salvation Army in Newark Faith Church on Sunday nights. And Trey's going to preach. Trey's going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to an area of town that, that need, desperately needs that message. And there's actually a pre-launch service today uh, at 6 p.m. down at Newark Faith Church right across from the Salvation Army. You can go check it out. You can hear from Trey and ask yourself, does God want you to be involved in that way? But just know Trey and I are in a fantastic, always are in a great place peace in our relationship. But not only is there peace in relationships with other people, listen, there's also, you can know that you are at peace and God is at peace with you. You're at peace with God and God's at peace with you. This is actually what Paul tells us right here in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because God sent his son, Jesus, born at Christmas, we can actually be in a state with God where we're not, uh, at war with God. We're not upset with God and God's not upset with us. We are literally at peace with God. And that's a beautiful, beautiful and amazing thing. How does it happen? First, you understand that God loves you. God loves you so much, John three sixteen. God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, who came at Christmas time. He, he, she, he was born of a virgin Mary and, and he began to live life just like you and I live as human beings. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life and then gave his life for us on the cross. He died on the cross for us. He died, he died for, for us to know that we can approach God without shame. But then Jesus, I'll say it, you cheer a little, cheer a little, cheer a little. Jesus then rose again. There's a cheering a little right there. And, and we can live life through him in this way. So, so understand, if you want to have that internal sense of peace from God, there's something that comes first. And here's our first fill-in. Before we can experience the supernatural inner peace of God, we must be at peace with God. We have to know that Christ lives in us. And, and today, you're going to have a chance, if you'd like to, to pray and to accept Christ. And already this weekend, 11 people have indicated they prayed that prayer this weekend to accept Christ and, and to know him as well. It's an awesome thing. So let's talk about peace. Peace, an inward state of tranquility and calm and quiet that overcomes us. And, and, and you know, and I know that really you can, in, in the world, you can find that kind of peace. Or There are places, let's say you go on vacation, leave all your troubles behind, and you go on vacation, you go to the beach, and, and the waves are loud enough to drown out your kids' screams, and, and you're like, wow, this is a, a peaceful place. I, I, found, I found some peace, and, and that, that's, that's, that's possible. We actually call that, we call that, I call that natural peace inner peace because of peaceful outer circumstance. Everything around you is peaceful. So you are peaceful. I actually remember uh, one Christmas, maybe eight or nine years ago, 
It was getting late in December and, and things were getting busy and we had parties to go to and things we're doing and we're really active, really busy, but we had one night at home, our, our family, and we went to the living room and we had the Christmas tree lit and my wife and I lit seven or eight candles around the room and, and, and I did this thing. I really encourage you to think about doing it too. I, I got the television remote and I, I found the, the Yule Log channel and I put the fire on. There it is right there. And my wife was sitting there and I was sitting there and I remember just being exhausted and tired and I slumped over and I laid my head in my wife's lap and she started to kind of play with my hair and I thought, man, I, I am just so peaceful right now. And then I was aware of something stirring to my left and, and, and this thing that was stirring put his face in my wife's lap and, and then this big monstrous 107 pound beast barked as loud as any dog in the history of the world in my ear and all my peace was gone. It was all gone. Now, now you know and I know that in the world we live in, there's not a lot of peace. In fact, in fact, uh, experts would say, medical experts would say, there is actually more anxiety now than at any point in the history of the world. This is actually a statement from the, the World Health Organization. Just last year, March 4th, 2022, made this statement. By examining the rising number of anxiety disorders, we can say without reservation, this world is more anxious today than at any time in modern history. Anxiety. Anxiety is rampant. Now, if you have an anxiety disorder, you should go see your doctor. You should pursue the, a path of, of healing. But as you're pursuing that path of healing for anxiety, you need to also know there's another kind of peace, not just natural peace. It is supernatural peace of God. That's defined as inner peace as a gift from God, despite your circumstances. This is fill in number two. And I want you to understand it. I want you to see it. Jesus offers peace and rest to all of us in a supernatural way. Jesus says, I can give you the gift of peace and the gift of rest in your life. Listen, with fresh ears, listen to Jesus when he says this to all of us. Come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Just ask yourself that question. Is, is, that, is that appealing to you? What's it mean to be weary? This was written in the Greek language and the word uh, kopio is the word for weariness, kopio. Kopio actually means, it can, it can mean weary. It can also mean utterly exhausted. And you know, you know you've been there. I've been there. You've been that moment where you're just completely out of your human strength. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me at any time. Come to me at all times. But especially come to me when you are exhausted. When you're weary and you're burdened, that Greek word burden means loaded down. Of course, it can mean with physical burdens, but it also means burdened with emotional baggage as well. Come to me when you're exhausted. Come to me when you're at the end of your own strength and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You gotta get your head around this. Jesus says that he, Jesus, the son of God is gentle. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, do not miss the importance of this phrase. And you will find rest for your soul. The innermost part of you will be at rest as a gift from me. Now, this is not something far away and somewhere else and in some ethereal dream about what God may do someday. This is a reality here and now. 
yesterday, uh, last night at, at church, six o'clock service last night, we had two young men baptized. Let me show you their pictures. Yeah, give a little hand for that if you don't mind that. That's, uh, that's Connor. Uh, Connor and I are right there together after his baptism. And, and this is Blake as well. And interestingly enough, Connor, Connor yeah, give Blake a hand. Absolutely. Uh, we have, uh, excitingly, we have two more baptisms happening today and we're excited about what God's doing. But, but those two young men, interestingly, uh, Blake is just, just finishing up college and, and Connor is, is finishing up high school and they're in different places in life, both young men, but, but they both have a pretty similar story. And the pretty similar story was both of them did not believe in God. Very, very recently, within the last number of months, neither of them had any faith in God whatsoever. They were just kind of living based on their instincts and what seemed right. And both of them separately hit a crisis. Both of them hit a crisis separately, which was an emotional crisis, things happening. And both of them, independently of each other, chose to reach out to God. Blake, the older one, uh, finishing up college, Blake actually, um, he came to a point in his studies where he just said, I can't, I can't go on. He was, he was weary. He was, he was weary. He was exhausted. And he said, I can't go on. And he said, something told me I need a God. And then he said, my grandma used to come to this church. So I thought I would come try it out. He's been coming to church. He's been listening. He's been leaning in and he has accepted Jesus Christ. Give a hand for that, right? And, and he, and he was, last night was baptized. The, the other young man, uh, just, a, a, just an awesome story about Connor. Connor's in high school and lots of struggles, obviously for anybody in high school. If you're in high school here, we love you. We love you. But, but, uh, but, but he was struggling a bit and, and he decided to check it out. We're not going to see it. Is there something to it? Is there something to what he called this God stuff? That's what he told me. He said, I tried out the God stuff and I found out it works. That's literally, literally what he said in, in his life. And, and it's real. They found the rest of Christ. They found the peace that Jesus is offering. And we had so much joy last night seeing lives changed. Let's go back to this. Here it is again. Do, do you believe this? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you. Now, this is theologically fascinating what he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And why is that theologically fascinating? Here's why. Who normally is allowed to approach God? Who normally can, can go to God? Isn't it always the ones who have purified themselves and made themselves clean and, and, they're, and they're really living this perfect life? Then you can approach God. For example, David says it like this in, in Psalm 24. Who shall approach God? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? It's not the weary and burdened. It's the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. David's saying you can approach God when the actions of your life, your hands are clean and your heart is pure. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't come to me when, you, when you're trying to be perfect. Come to me just as you are. Just where you are. You're weary. You're burdened. You're sick. You're, you've lost heart. Come to me and I will give you rest. This is real. This is a solid foundation that you can stand on. And he says an interesting thing. Take my yoke, question mark. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, what's up with this word yoke? Some of you are wondering like yoke, like take up my egg. No. Take up the yak oxen. No. Yoke actually is a statement that means the teaching of a rabbi was their yoke. They, they place that yoke upon you. It's their teaching. It's their way of life. Jesus says, come, live my teaching, live my way of life. That's why he says, learn from me. Come and learn from me and you will find the most beautiful thing, rest for your soul. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Are, are, you, are you a living testimony of this or, or are you wondering, is it real? Will this really happen? 
And I'll be honest with you, when you, when you have, when you possess the peace of Christ, you, you live in a way that it's really kind of different than anyone around you in the world. I'll, I'll give you an example about this. I'm actually currently right now, I, I've already begun what, what I've termed a, a bit of a marathon to end the year. I got to preach last night, preach at nine, preach right now. And when this service ends with our two awesome baptisms coming up at the end, I'm going to literally not walk, run out to the entrance of church. And with these amazing 18 people right here, I'm going to get on a bus and and we're going to go to the airport. We're going to go to the airport. We're going to get on a flight. We're going to first fly to Chicago, then to London, then to Sofia, Bulgaria, the capital of Bulgaria. And we'll we'll begin a two-part mission trip. The first part of our trip will be there in the capital, working with this amazing team of people right there. There they are. And and we're going to be in colleges. There's 90,000 college students in Bulgaria. And there is a mental health crisis among those college students. And they don't know God. And it's a very, it's a dark, it can be a very dark place. Tuesday night, I'll I'll be doing personally a seminar on emotional intelligence and students will come and they're going to hear about that. Here's a picture of me doing that same seminar last year. And and that's what and talking to them, all of them, they're going to hear about it on Facebook. They're going to come. They're going to come with hearts for mental health. But what they get offered is a, a one-on-one session with people from our team to help them work through goals to improve their mental health. And what's going to happen is they're also going to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Now, the next night after that, I'll be at a medical school doing a, a, another seminar on, on anxiety and mental health. And Pastor Gary will be at another college, an agricultural college, doing a talk on agriculture and, and farming. We're doing it all, friends. We're doing it all on this trip. And again, we'll, we'll often meet with people and do one-on-ones and help them know how to improve their lives. Then, mid with the trip, we're going to actually travel uh, in, in some buses out to a remote village in Bulgaria. It's going to be cold. It's going to be in the mountains. And there we will pass out Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. How awesome is that going to be? Absolutely. We're also going to be doing a medical clinic. Uh, Dr. Kuntz is on our trip doing a medical clinic. And we'll also go to door to door and minister to elderly people. And we're, we're doing all of it. And I'm sure we will have a massive celebration in Bulgaria. The trip is in and we'll get back on the planes. We're going to fly all the way back. And then I will have the privilege of being with you for six services in 26 hours on the 23rd and 24th. And you know what? I look at all that and I'm so happy. I'm at peace. I'm at peace with what God is doing. I just feel bad for you guys because Dan is preaching next weekend. And I'm so sorry about it. So sorry. But anyway... God is at work. Great things are happening. Now, maybe you're wondering, Pastor Tom, when, when could we actually seek peace and pursue it with our lives? When is peace available? And here's right here. Number three, God's supernatural peace is available to you at all times. I'll say all, you say times. Here we go. All, all times. God's supernatural peace is available to you at all times. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening, 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says this. May the Lord of peace himself. Stop right there. Who's the Lord of peace? It's Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of peace. Nine times in the Bible, God or Jesus is referred to as the God or the Lord of peace. Nine separate times. The Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Now, that's a really big question. Is that actually possible? Can the Lord of peace give you peace at all times, at any time? Well, what's the worst time? What's the worst time imaginable where it may feel like peace is, peace is so far away? I, I have a moment like that. 
It was a, a number of years ago. I was here at church. It was December, late December. I think it was on December 20th, as a matter of fact. And I was driving home from the church and I, I got a, a phone call that one of our church members, uh, a man I dearly love, had had a heart attack and was at the hospital over at Lincoln Memorial. And I, I rerouted. I went straight to the hospital and I walked in and, and the man that I knew and loved had passed away of a massive heart attack. And I walked in, I, I saw him laying there and I remember just seeing, I'm talking about uh, my very good friend, Kim Coker, and he was laying on the table and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that, that he had been so alive. He'd been retired for a couple of months and he was ready for this long retirement and just to enjoy his life. And then his life was gone. I walked into the, the room they have at the hospital for families to kind of collect themselves and meet with clergy and kind of understand what's happening. And, and Kim's wife, Laura, was there. And Laura's given me permission to tell the story. She made a video one time talking about her side of the story. But I walked in and, and they were crushed. I mean, imagine, uh, imagine someone you love and you're ready to celebrate Christmas. In fact, that morning, he'd made a, a group text with his grandkids to find out what they wanted for Christmas and his life was gone. At one point, his wife, Laura, she just, she just began to cry. And as she was crying and couldn't imagine life, she was just uttering, she was uttering out loud, I can't do this, I can't do this, what's happening, I can't do it. And I thought, you know, as her pastor, I need to take charge of the situation. So I prayed a silent prayer, I stood up and put my hand on her shoulder. She's, she's just, in that moment, she felt like she had lost everything. And I began praying out loud with authority. And I, I prayed this prayer, God, bring your peace. God, bring your peace. God, bring your peace. I'm just praying it and she's, and she's making noises and I'm praying and, and back and forth. And all of a sudden in that room, the peace of God reigned from heaven in that room. And she changed from saying, I can't do this to saying, Jesus, you're here. Jesus, you're here. You're here. And by the way, he's here right now as well. His peace is available at all times, in every moment. In the worst moment of your life, the peace of God is available. In the worst moment, in your best moment, in every moment of your life, it's available. Dr. E. Stanley Jones, a noted, famous missionary to China, he said this, it is divine peace. It is a gift. It is always available. It is available anytime you need it. God's peace is there. Well, let me just review for a second. We're talking about this. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. Value peace. The tangible peace of God ruling in your life. Seek peace and pursue it. Will you? Are you going to settle for second best? Are you going to settle for worry when you can have peace? Are you going to settle for frustration and anger and burdens and exhaustion when you can have the peace and rest of God? Listen, you you need to reevaluate how you're living. Don't, don't accept God's second best. Go for God's best. Seek peace and pursue it. We already learned this. We have to, to have that peace inside. You've got to have peace with God. Number two, Jesus offers peace and rest. And last of all, supernatural peace is available at all times and in every way. And then last of all, the very last thing I want to say, how do you get it? How do you access it? How do you reach for and have the peace of God? You know, I was a little frustrated this week, honestly. Uh, in my office, in the church, like probably most people, I, I have a charger for my phone. 
And all day long, I was working in my office doing, you know, doing stuff and whatever. And there's a charger for my phone right there and my phone about a foot away. And I didn't charge it all day long. It's like a foot, away, a foot one foot. I could just char- plug my phone in. I'd have power all day. And I grabbed my phone and I had like 1% power left on my phone. The power was available. All I had to do was connect it together. And that's the same for you. How do you connect it? How do you connect yourself to God's peace? This is fill-in number four, the final and last fill-in. Here we go. We receive God's peace through the prayer of peace. We, We clear our minds. We clear our hearts. We're at peace with God. And we pray a simple prayer. Here's how Paul says it. Don't be anxious. Now, when you read that, don't, no, no guilt to read that. We all at times have anxiety. And when you notice the anxiety that you have, here's what you do. You go to God in prayer. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now watch verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul says, pray in a specific way. Pray like this. Pray with petitions. That means you give God specific requests. If you're going to pray for me for our trip to Bulgaria, pray this. Pray that God would give myself and Pastor Gary and others on our team divine anointed words from him for all those we encounter. Pray specifically for what you need. Pour out your heart to God. And then secondly, Paul says, with thanksgiving, with expressions of gratitude to God, thanking God for all he has done. Petition and thanksgiving is how you pray. And the peace of God, think about it. The peace of God, which you can't even understand because you shouldn't be at peace, but you are at peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Listen carefully, my friends. Don't settle. I'm your pastor. If you go to church here, I'm your pastor. And I love you. And I do not want you to settle for less than God's best, for what God desires for you. Some of you right now, you're suffering from how you see yourself. You're seeing yourself and you're, you're infusing some shame. Like, Pastor Tom, if you know what I've done, if you know where I've been, if you knew who I was, you, you wouldn't think the same way. Wrong, absolutely wrong. You are called to peace by Christ himself. So if you're here today and you're, you know Christ, I want you to pray right now on your own about peace. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and you would say, I want to, I want to have peace between me and God. I'm going to talk about how you have that just for a minute. Hey, praise team. Come on back, praise team. One last song and two baptisms to end our time together. But, but let me just say, let me just say to you, if you want that relationship with Christ, first, it comes from faith. Faith that God sent his son, Jesus Faith that Jesus lived a perfect life. Faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And faith that he rose again from the grave. Faith meets with your desire to surrender all of yourself to Christ. It's called, in Greek, it's called metanoia. The English word is repentance. It means I'm changing to make Jesus the priority of my life. If you're ready for that, let's pray together right now. Just bow your heads if you would. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And just pray if you would. I'll I'll begin the prayer. It goes like this. Just say quietly, Father God, I thank you for today. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've committed sins. But I ask you to forgive me 
And Jesus Christ, I know you died for me and rose again. Come into my life. I give my life to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, heads, heads are bowed. Keep your head bowed just for a second. If you just pray that prayer with me and you meant it sincerely, just raise your hand right now. Just say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Thank you, thank you. Keep them up for a second. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you guys can look at me again if you like. Just want to stand. We're going to end our service with a, um, with a song and two baptisms. If you're being baptized, come on right now. I'm going to change clothes and get ready for that. You guys are awesome. Love you.
given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ.